May all grace, mercy, and peace come to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel lesson today from Mark chapter 9 serves as the focus for our sermon. Lord, I've never moved the mountain, and I guess I never will. Because Father, all the faith that I could ever muster in myself couldn't even move a small anthill. Yet, Father, I am grateful for the joy of knowing Thee and for all the mountain movings down through life that You've ever done for me. When I needed some help, You lift me from the depths of great despair. And when sorrows and troubles and pains have been more than I can bear, Father, You've always been my courage to restore life's troubled sea and to turn those mountains that have looked so big to me. Many times, Father, when I've had problems and bills that I couldn't pay, and when the worries and all the troubles have kept mounting every day, I don't know how you did it. Honestly, Father, I don't. I don't know the where's or the why's. All I know is that I've seen these great mountains turn into blessings in the skies. No, I've never moved a mountain, Father. My faith is, quite honestly, far too small. And yet I thank You, Lord of creation, that You've always heard my call. And so, Father, any time that I encounter a mountain in life, I shall have no fear. Because I know that the mountain moving Jesus is my strength. And that He's always near. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but I've never moved a mountain. I've driven through them. I've climbed them. I've attempted to ski them and fell down on them. I've uh, even had mountaintop experiences, but I've never physically moved a mountain on my own. And you know, sometimes I will encounter a mountain in my life. You know, those great big things that, uh, that you sometimes have the confidence that you can handle, but you can't. And then they seem insurmountable and they're immovable. Yeah, there's been times that I've encountered those mountains and and couldn't overcome them, and I stop and I scratch my head and I think, you know, why haven't I learned from now, by now, that all those mountaintop experiences that I've had with God in my life were supposed to be moments that were supposed to teach me how to live life down in the valley? Well, I know the answer to that. That's because I, too, am a part of what Jesus calls the faithless generation of people in this world. I, like others, have those times when my, my faith falters, where I try and do things myself, where I get overconfident in my own abilities, and I fail to hand it over to God. But, you know, as we're about to find out today, even a small, tiny, faultless faith directed towards God is enough to access an abundance of God's grace. Many times we have these mountaintop experiences with God. And we come back down from the mountains into our everyday lives in the valley, and guess what happens? We end up stumbling along, don't we? We end up having those moments where our faith falters and we're left scratching our heads wondering, why couldn't I do that? Why couldn't I overcome that problem? And such is the case with Jesus' disciples. It wasn't that long ago that the disciples in our gospel lesson today had a mountaintop experience with God. You go way back to Mark chapter 3, and Jesus is up on the mountain summoning those he desires to be the disciples with him. And they end up spending multiple time with Jesus, watching him 
teach and heal and drive demons out of people. And then you go to Mark chapter 6, and Jesus sends them out two by two. Tells them to go from town to town and proclaim his message. And he empowers them to heal people and drive demons out. And they go and do these things. And they have much success. I mean, that's what mountaintop experiences are like, aren't they? They're those moments that energize you, right? They open your eyes to God and your soul to God. They refresh you. And they're supposed to prepare you for life lived in the valley. Because let's be honest, you can't be up on the mountaintop forever, right? You're called to come back down into the valley. And now that's where the disciples are. They're in the valley and they're stumbling and failing miserably. And then, of course, there's Jesus and Peter and James and Paul, I mean, and John, who were coming down off the mountain themselves. They had just been up on the mountain for Jesus' transfiguration. Can you imagine seeing that event? And yet, James and Peter and John have no clue that they just had a mountaintop experience. They're still questioning Jesus coming down off the mountain. And here they come, and they're down at the base of the mountain, and Jesus looks off, and what does he see? Lo and behold, there's this great commotion going on. And he sees the scribes and the Pharisees and a great crowd harassing his disciples. And it's here that we find out fully why the disciples are stumbling and finding themselves in an embarrassing situation, experiencing failure, and seemingly having failed to learn from their mountaintop experiences. For all their success in driving out demons and healing people, they finally come across a mountain that they can't move. As they can't drive a demon out of a boy that's been tormented all his life. Tormented to the brink of death. And as Jesus begins to question what the commotion's all about, then the disciples can't even get a word in edgewise. I mean, I'm sorry, but if I was in an embarrassing situation like that, I'd be wanting to go Jesus off in the corner somewhere, right? In a, in, a, in a private moment to explain myself. And yet, they're not even the ones who spill the beans as to what's going on. It's the father of this young boy. Teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they weren't able to do so. Nothing like being called out in front of a crowd after you've already been getting grilled by scribes and you've failed miserably. Nothing like not even being able to explain yourself and privately. And then, as if that wasn't embarrassing enough, they have to endure what Jesus says next. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Go ahead, bring them to me. Who is Jesus addressing here? Who's he calling the faithless generation? Is it the crowd? Is it the Pharisees? Is it the disciples? Is it all three of them? Well, let's look at it for a moment. The crowd and, and, and the Father are in despair because Jesus isn't around to help them. He's up on the mountain, right? So he calls on their disciples to help them out. Now, the disciples, for all their successes, now can't drive out the demons. So they're left scratching their heads as well. Perhaps it was because they were overconfident in their own abilities to do so and failed to realize who they needed to go to for help. And then, of course, we always know about the Pharisees and the scribes, right? So Jesus is addressing all three of these, the crowds, the disciples, 
and the scribes and the Pharisees. They're all faithless people. You see, here's the thing. It's right here that we see a stark contrast between faith that moves mountains and mountains that shatter faith. Faith is a quirky thing, isn't it? It can be easily misplaced. The line between self-confidence and confidence in God oftentimes becomes blurred to the point where we end up omitting God totally from the equation. We fail to go to Him like we need to. We think that we can handle things ourselves. For the father of the demon-possessed boy, though, he knew that his son could be healed by Jesus. He has a little bit of a faith. Whereas the disciples had a lot great amount of faith. But what we see is, is where the faith needs to be directed in order for the faith to, to have power to work. The father despaired that Jesus was absent when he came calling, but his little faith turned to Jesus' disciples and hoped that they could drive the demons out. The only problem is that the, that the disciples couldn't do it because their faith wasn't in Jesus, it was in themselves. Maybe they got overconfident in what they were doing. You'd think that they would have learned from their experiences with Jesus. And now notice here that it isn't until the boy is presented to Jesus and that the father of the boy has his direct interaction with Jesus that things begin to change. Jesus shows empathy for the boy by inquiring how long this has been going on. And he says, how long has this been happening to him? I often wonder, though, if this is an available statement that also means, how long have you known about this and you're just now coming to me? Have you ever had that moment that has happened to you like that? I was at a dentist recently. Yeah, I say recently. I hadn't gone in years. I'm not going to lie. I dread going to dentists. And no offense to you dentists out there or anybody who's been to a dentist, but I don't, I don't like going to them, mainly for the fact that I don't like going to dentists and getting lectured on that I'm doing it all wrong. I don't know anybody who does. But I had, I had a fractured tooth for a good couple years, and I put up with the pain, and finally, uh, between the pain and my wife hounding me going to the dentist, rightfully slow, I went. And so I'm sitting in the dental chair, and he's probing around in my mouth, and he looks down, and he goes, ah, oh, you got a broken tooth. Here comes that dreaded question. And how long has it been like that? Well, I didn't exactly want to tell him the truth, but I didn't want to lie either. So the best I can come up with is, it's been like that for a while. It's one of those blanket statements, right? And I was expecting this whole lecture about, why didn't you come to me sooner? And I said to him, hey, it's been like that for a while, but I'm hoping you can fix it. And he says to me, yeah, that's what I do. If you notice what the Father says in this whole thing, right? When he says to Jesus, it's been like this since childhood. And if you can help, please have compassion on us. And what does Jesus say? If I can. If you have faith, anything is possible. Right? And this is what he shows compassion upon him with his statement. He doesn't rebuke him. But he says, here I am to help. We find here with this Father that even a faulty faith is enough to access the grace of God. I believe. Help my unbelief, the Father cries out. A 
faulty faith, nonetheless directed towards Jesus, leads to a mountaintop experience for this man and for his son. And to further show the faithless crowd and help their unbelief, when they think that this poor boy is dead after Jesus drives the demons out, Jesus puts his hand down and lifts him up to his feet. And then there, of course, are the disciples who are left scratching their heads, wondering why they couldn't drive this demon out. They're still clueless about where their faith should have been all along. Not in themselves, not in their own abilities, but strictly in God. Jesus drives home the point when He says, hey, this kind of spirit can only be driven out by prayer. It cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And I don't know about you and who you identify with in this story today, but more often than not, I identify with the, the disciples. More often than not, I have these... I encounter these so-called mountains and I put faith in myself rather than where it belongs in God. I get overconfident and I think I can handle things. And it's only after I've exhausted everything, right, where I've become so exhausted from trying to get through these mountains that I looked to Jesus and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I suspect that we all get like that at times. The bills mount, family situations occur, Health problems overwhelm us. People we try and bring the good news to end up being difficult. And we find ourselves encountering mountains that we can't move and we fail miserably. But I also suspect that we have all had some sort of mountaintop experience in our life that we need to recall. And remember how God has worked in our lives. Remember what He's done for us. Recall upon those experiences and have that confidence that helps us to say, I believe. Help my unbelief. Those mountaintop experiences in our lives are faith builders and reminders that God is our strength and our hope. And it was a mountaintop experience that Jesus had up on Golgotha, high upon a cross, that has brought us that hope and that strength and that confidence that no matter what mount we encounter, God can move anything. And it's during our days living in our lives in the valleys, that God knows we're going to encounter mountains that we can't move, and He knows we're going to stumble. And yet He provides us the means to be with Him in His Word and in sacrament. He brings us our forgiveness when we turn back to Him, when we stumble on our faith, even if it's a small faith directed at Him, a faulty faith. And He helps us to overcome our belief, our unbelief. So no matter where you're at in life today, remember, God is near. And when we encounter those mountains in life, remember this, that even the tiniest amount of faith in God is greater than any amount of faith we put in ourselves. And even a faulty faith can access an abundance of God's grace. And to God be all the glory. Amen.